everybody. Uh, it's me, Will Hart. I am here with my good buddy, Tommy, not Tony, Tommy, T-O-M-I, and I'm going to try to get this, Oriami. That was really good. Dude, winner. That was really good. Perfect. Success on multiple (laughs) levels. Uh, Dude, good to connect with you. Welcome to your first time here on the Iris Global Green Room. This is our quarantine edition, and uh, I love that because we get to connect with people all over the world. My buddy, Tommy, he is in... The UK, you're in London, right? Uh, not in London, no. I'm in a town called, well, Windsor and Maidenhead. So it's kind of, um, it's where the Queen lives. Awesome. We yeah. love the Queen. Do you love the Queen? I do love <laughs> me, the Queen. <laughs> she loves Jesus. I look forward to <laughs> her Christmas uh, messages every year. Yeah, uh, they, they're nice. But let me chat about you for a sec, and then we're going to dig in. We're going to dig deep here as fast as we can. Um, I met Tommy uh, a few months ago, right before things really hit in the States uh, with the whole COVID thing um, at, a, at a conference uh, firestorm at Life Center uh, Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Tommy, but I go way back with those guys. That, that was my home church for a long time. And so you saw me in my element. I was uh, I was very much more relaxed than I probably would be if I met yeah. you in another place. But uh, we met. We no, connected. Listen, your message still resonates with me today, <laughs> and your jokes are. I mean, I laughed so hard. I I never laughed harder in my life. Dude, you got to have fun. And you uh, do. yeah, so we we just especially on this podcast, just be relaxed, uh, which you basically are. I mean, I've I've okay. never seen you Let not just, relaxed. Um, I'm just. I'm just slapped. <laughs> is, is, is this? Uh, there. That. Yep. Just keep that pose uh, for the next Good. 40 minutes okay. or so, and we'll be Got great. It. Got it. Um, okay. But yeah, so we met at Life Center Church, and uh, you actually ended up speaking the last day, I think. Um, so I, I saw you sitting there for days. The first day, I just completely ignored you. Uh, who is this yeah. strange man? And then people started talking about you, and it was only at that point that I began my wife, to. <laughs> my wife has literally just walked onto the set. <laughs> She's looking at me like, "Bring her on. Let's see. Uh, let's see your lovely. Let's see your lovely I, bride real quick. Quickly, quickly, just wave, just wave. No, it's okay. No, you gotta come. You gotta come I'm very friendly. Closer, closer. closer. <gasps> there she Hi. is. Hold on. No, don't go away. Don't go away. So don't she go can't away. hear me because you have headphones on. She can't hear you. Okay. Just What's your name? Tamar. Yeah, how did you meet this uh, good, good-looking man? <laughs> Believe it or not, my mum brought him home, and then he never left. <laughs> Come sure, on! Man. And what what do you find most physically attractive about him? Of, of, obviously, his looks, but the anointing that was on him as well. Oh, that's such a spiritual answer! I love well, that. Way to go! <laughs> no, honestly, truthfully. Well, I got to see a glimpse of that a few months ago when we met. Um, I got to see a glimpse of his uh, spiritual attractiveness. And I must say, I, uh, I was swooned. I was taken back by not only the uh, beard, but also his ability to preach the gospel with power. And, uh, and not only that, he can prophesy too, which was great. And when I met him, actually, he was—he had um, a lot more muscles, so that was one thing. Yeah, that was that was just the sales pitch. That was like interview <laughs> process done. I'm gonna eat some beef burgers and chicken. I don't care, <laughs> dude. When I I got married, I was like 170 pounds. I put on almost a hundred pounds at the peak of my my completely letting myself go. It's <laughs> awesome. No, it's not it awesome. Happened. It was horrible. It's, it's like a gateway listen. to diabetes. Not awesome listen, at all. It's, it's like the job interview. We all say I work well with Excel spreadsheets and I'm amazing. And then you get past that phase. It's like you literally pull out the tattoo on the back of your neck of mother. Of like, I don't know who's on the back of your neck, but that's how marriage is. <laughs> I just have a nice kind of fat roll on the back of my neck. But yeah. Listen, really nice to meet your amazing wife, and uh, nice yeah, to meet my amazing wife. She said, "You too, well, yeah." Thank and you, you can nice say hi you. if you'd like to. You can say hi to everybody watching. Um, say hi to everybody watching. Hey, everyone watching. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait uh, for when I'm out there next in the UK. I'm crashing on your couch for a couple of days, so it'll happen. He's gonna come surf for surf. 
Oh, of course, yeah. Tommy's <laughs> going to love that. He's He is literally the life of the party. Whenever, whenever anyone comes over, we don't get many visitors. <laughs> so what we do, this guy's going to, he's, He's going to be in your room. He's probably going to sit, sleep next to you. It's great. I'm a snuggler, so it'll be good. I'm a, I'm, I'm Big Spoon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> it's awesome. Do that. Well. Okay, bye. Bye, bye. See you. Okay. Bye. Okay. Back to. Back to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll be down soon, honey. It will. I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, really nice to meet meet your meet your wife. So yeah, we met Life Center. Uh, I watched you. Uh, I didn't really know much. I didn't know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say much. I didn't know anything about you except uh, over the week. Uh, Bishop Joseph Garlington, who's a good friend, uh, was just yeah. singing your praises, and I, I got to see that when uh, when yeah, you 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 spoke and with authority, uh, great knowledge of the scripture. And uh, and really moved in a powerful prophetic anointing. You're you're known for your prophetic gifting. At least that's the little bit that I've been able to. Uh, just the time that I've spent with you, but also looking online, looking at your gifts. I'm sorry, your uh, your product, your books. Um, and so, yeah, tell us about yourself. Where are you from originally, and how the heck did you end up in the UK? So I am originally from well Nigeria. I I was born in Nigeria and um, lived there till I was two years old, mm-hmm. and um, I'm one of uh, identical twins. One of two. Do you say that a pair yeah. of identical twins? Is that yeah. right? Okay, so I'm Makes one of sense. two twins, and so um, we have an old sister. We all emigrated to the UK when I was two. My parents um, were doctors in Nigeria. They requalified in the United Kingdom. And um, took years. Uh, we started in Scotland, so I was the only black person with a Scottish accent. I was the only black person in Scotland <laughs> at the time, literally. And um, then we left Scotland and we moved slowly further south. And it's different from America. America, the further south you go, the more deeper the accent. The UK, the further north you go, the deeper the accent. So we started in the north of the north, and then our accent slowly evolved into whatever it is now which people don't call english it's a weird enmeshment of culture and lots of will smith i love it well it's a beautiful culture i've been uh i've been traveling traveling over to the uk for a year since i was a little boy love it wow. man but uh and, and yeah i can't wait to revisit and uh hang out with you guys next time i'm over there that's not an option. I just invited myself uh, to no, your house. Please so, do. And, and please do. And feel free to wear my yoga pants anytime you want. <laughs> Deal. Make yourself, make yourself out. Deal. It's going to happen. So, hey, um, I, I, uh, as we, I actually, we just filmed uh, something for, for your uh, followers. Yeah. And it was amazing. We had such a great time. Please lower yeah. your standards for this interview because uh, you're super gifted. But one of the things that, uh, as we were getting ready, I, I got to talk with one of your guys that was helping out, amazing guy, and he 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 called you Prophet Tommy, and I love that. I I I wanted to actually talk to you about that. If you're okay, uh, do 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 people call you Prophet Tommy, or do you do you ask that? <laughs> yeah, I demand it of every member of staff I have. It's like part of the CV. What do you? What's my name? Who am I? Who am I? No, actually, people just call me that. And I always in my office, I mean, JC's right here right now. So I'll be like, hey, it's Tommy. It's Tommy. And they 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 just call me prophet, I guess. They, they, it's probably like me. I'm the same. With my spiritual mom, I still haven't mustered the courage to call her Sharon. And I've been with her. Oh, there I did it. I've been with her for like over 18 years. And I still call her Dr. Sharon or yeah. mom or prophet. Prophet Sharon. And so I guess it's just, it's part of my, my way. And they just kind of pick it up. I mean, even when they talk to people who aren't saved, like our, our channel is, is, is managed by a broadcast company in Pinewood Studios. And these guys are not born again at all. So every time it's on the phone, so it's like, they, they're very, 
cockney. They're like, hey, hey, how you doing? It's Tommy there. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, let me put you through the prophet Tommy. It's like, can you not do that? Can you just call me Tommy? That's a, that's a big title. Like, how do you, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I'm friends with a lot of prophets. And uh, I, the conversations, they, the last one that I had with one of my good friends, he's an older prophet named um, Larry Randolph. He said, he said the prophetic is one of the most treacherous ministries because you're only as good as your last word. He's like, you can, you can be accurate. You can be, you know, blessing the world. And then, and then something happens where you miss it or whatever. And, and that can destroy, uh, really your reputation. And Mm -hmm. he, and I'd never thought of it that way. I can, we were talking about healing a little bit on, on the, what we were shooting before. And it was something that I'd never thought about. I, if, if I can pray for people and they don't get healed, it doesn't really change, you know, people's ideas or, you know, we, we just go, okay, well, God's going to do it at a different time. Um, you know, but with the prophetic, there is such a weight to the prophetic. How do you carry that? I mean, that's not something uh, that's flippant. And how do you, how do you carry that? How have you grown in that? It's a really good question. The, so I, 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 I started in the prophetic. My first prophetic experience happened when I was five years old living in Glasgow. And um, I was um, raised by well-meaning Catholic parents. Um, my mom was probably a bit more uh, Catholic uh, Pentecostal mm-hmm. in a weird way, however that worked. Yeah. And so I grew up in Glasgow, I was um, sexually abused when I was five years old and incapacitated with a disease called rickets. And um, I was literally sitting out my window and I heard these angels singing, oh, when the saints go marching in. And then a voice from heaven, loud as day, said, one day you're going to leave my saints in. Fast forward, um, uh, 15 years old, haven't given my life to Christ yet, still Catholic. I was actually an acolyte, the, the candle boys in church. Yeah. And so here I am. 15 and um i have failed everything my exams my brother failed his exams and in african culture that is like you fail you're like you're you're dead to the family and so here i was and i was suicidal and my brother was suicidal and we both sat on opposite sides of our garden and we both prayed this prayer god if you're real shows who we are tonight we're going to kill ourselves unbeknownst to each other we prayed this prayer we caught up later to share it that night i'm in my bed and I have a dream. And I said, if you don't show me tonight, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. So that night I had a dream. And in this dream, I'm crawling through this tiny hole in my house. It doesn't exist in my house, but in the dream it existed. And I was very, very large individual as a child, heavily overweight. So I remember this tunnel being very narrow. I crawled through. I was so glad to get out the other side. And I saw thousands and thousands of people as far as I could see. And um, I got translated onto the stage. Stage just to look closer, I saw myself, a skinnier version of me, and I was doing what I only know now to be preaching. There was no uh, word or rhetoric for it back then, so now I get what it was. I looked like I was just shouting at people, to be honest. And as I was, I had this... I had this childhood dream that I was going to be a rapper, and there is some blackmail material out there somewhere that somebody's holding of my old rap oh, career. I used it. to have my rap name used to be QT, like the letter Q and T, just to let you know how embarrassing that is. So um, here I am. I'm on the stage. And I'm thinking maybe I'm rapping. Maybe that's what it is. But as I'm shouting at people, the crowd is just going Jesus, 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 and I was really angry. I said that's not Jesus. Jesus there, that's Tommy there. And I had these self-esteem issues, so I'm like fighting Jesus in my dream. And I'm like, Jesus in there, Tommy's there. And I see this bright light in the corner of the room, and it says, my son, you asked me, and this is what I've called you to. So I sit up um, from the dream, just like, oh my goodness, he heard me. And as I sit up, my brother sits up. 
And I look at him and he looks at me and my brother said, I had a dream. I said, no way. So did I. And he, I said, tell me yours. He goes, no, you tell. I said, no, tell me. He said, I crawled through a hole in my ha house. I came out the other side. I see myself on a stage and people just going, Jesus. And I was really angry. It's like, not Jesus there. It's and I'm like mouth wide open. And he's like, and this being in the corner said, my son, you asked me and this is what I've called you to. And I said, bro. I just literally had the exact same dream. And so um, my brother gave his life to Christ straight away. And the next day, my brother is prophesying. We didn't know it was prophesying. We never read the Bible. We read mass books. So the only prayer we knew was, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And so here we are. And my brother is prophesying to everything that moves, just telling people what God says about them. Yeah. And um, didn't call it prophesying. He just called it sharing God's word. And I was jealous. His grades were growing up. My grades were going down. He loves Jesus. I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't want him because I had two girlfriends at the time who were very happy to be with me. And he, anyway, this, what rating is this program? You're just going, it's uh, it's all good, brother. It's all good. Okay. So the, the, I had two girlfriends and they were happy to be in this uh, concubine of a relationship. And so here I am, and the girl, I want the girl who preached him to come preach to me, not because I want Jesus. I just want my grades to go up. So she comes, preaches to me. I'm not listening. I'm embarrassed to be with the Bible girl. And she just says, you're not listening. God's going to show you tonight that he's real. Wow. She looked really adamant, like fiery. <laughs> that night we're in a car, my twin brother, me, um, my, my sister, my dad. And we're on our way back from Manchester, which is a three-hour drive. Yeah. And we're coming back home. It's like 12 midnight. I'm sitting in the car. I'm fast asleep. And I hear this voice. It sounds like my dad. It was like, Tommy. And, you know, my dad's a deep African guy. So it's like you have to imagine him saying my name. It's like, Tommy. It's not like <laughs> Tommy. So I close my eyes and I'm just pretending to be asleep because whenever an African man is waking you up from sleep is to ask how your studies are. Nothing else. Okay. And so I'm pretending to be asleep. Then the boy, then he says, Tommy. And the second time he says it, white flash comes over my eyes and I, and I'm blind for a couple of seconds. I said, Dad, Dad, what happened? He said, well, what do you mean, what happened? I said, Dad, you, you, you called me. He said, I didn't call you. I said, yeah, you just got hit by a speeding camera. He says, Tommy, I did not get hit by a speeding camera. What are you talking about? I was like, you called me. And he said, no, I didn't. So I'm getting ready to go back to sleep. And then I hear, Tommy. <laughs> time i look around nobody's lips are moving i'm like who is this and he says this is jesus and today you were supposed to die but i'm going to save your life and call you into the ministry come on and i'm sitting there i'm 15 16 at the time and he says tell everybody put their seatbelts on so i woke everybody up and i said hey guys put your seatbelts on and they're like why i said just do it and so everybody did it. My mom, my sister, everybody did it. And then the voice said, now yell, watch out. And at the top of my lungs, I yelled, watch out. And the moment I did it, my dad was so startled by my scream, he switched lanes, went from the outer lane to the middle lane. The moment he did that, five cars in front of us crashed into each other, including Whoa. a police car. We missed it by a fraction of a second. Whoa. And so I was in the back seat of a car. I gave my life to Christ. And I never read my Bible from 15 till I was about 19 years old. So, that, so you may wonder, well, what was going on through that whole period? God was developing us back to front. And he wasn't giving us a theology and waiting, for, and then we get a revelation. He was giving us an experience first, a revelation first, and it, and. And I, I, I like to think I have a really good theology, but my theology was playing catch up to my experiences. Yeah. And so we go to churches and we would prophesy and see things come to pass in people's lives. And we saw the healing movements of God very early. And, um, you know, we got ostracized for a lot of it, criticized for a lot yeah. of it, because we just didn't have any theology. We literally didn't. We just knew we heard God and 
we shared what we heard and there's an intimidation and excitement i guess people are excited at young guys who are saved loving the lord but then they were intimidated but how what if these guys lead people astray my fear in the prophetic is not so much that i'll miss it um because you can miss it of course we can but that's not my fear my fear is that the prophetic is an, an area of ministry where you are the most manipulative person in the room at that moment, whether mm. you know it or not, because you say the Lord said, right. and that is a that is a strong statement can, to can, make. Can I talk about that just for a second? Uh, let me pick Please your brain. Do. So, so there's a there's I you know I love I love other cultures that prophesy um, you, the prophecy here uh, you know, that I'm in my, in our stream is different than Mozambique, right? It's different in, in Asia. Yeah. Um, and culturally there's, you know, you, we actually, when I teach, I teach people, you don't say that you don't say thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, and when you prophesy, I I've heard you say that. And, and what you just said, that is a heavy, heavy, heavy thing. T- yeah. Talk to me about that. How do you navigate that? Because I've never met a prophet that's a hundred percent right, and, and I've I've made I've made so many mistakes and repented for many of them. Uh, yeah, you know uh, I I have a fear of saying that even if I know that he's saying it, I probably mm-hmm. still won't even say that mm-hmm. just because I I don't want to hurt anybody. Talk, talk to me about that. How do you how do you navigate that? I think the prophetic has a lot to apologize for. Anybody know? Everybody knows that. It's true. Um, it, it's, mar- it's married people. It's buried people. It's mm-hmm. sent people countries they didn't want to go, and um, it, it has a heck of a lot. I mean, everywhere I go, the first thing I want to do is apologize because I get a litany of, of, of terrible stories of people who come at the end and go, you know, I didn't trust the prophetic, and then you came and. You know, I have the privilege as an African of coming into every circle. I've been in every tribe, every pool of the prophetic from the Africans in Lagos, Nigeria Mm -hmm. and Malawi, all the way to my Caucasian friends in the Church of England who don't embrace prophets (laughs) at all. And here I am prophesying over the vicar of the Church of England and then to the United Nations. And I've had the privilege of prophesying to ambassadors and world leaders and governor's houses and kings. And and everywhere I come into, I just believe in one thing. I believe, yes, the prophetic has a lot to apologize for, but – False is always evidence of real. What do you mean? I don't have, you don't have fake Gucci if there's not a real Gucci somewhere. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. Nobody just says, well, you know, you don't have fake, a fake Gucci watch unless there is an authentic one that that fake one was copied after. Mm. And so I just... When I heard, but there's so much falsehood, how do you know what's real? How do you know what's true? I just decided one day that actually fake is evidence of real. And if there is so much false, then there must be authentic out there somewhere. Mm. So the first thing I decided to do was find it. And I did find it in a woman who is so authentic in who she is. I call her the Disney, the Minnie Mouse of the kingdom of heaven, Dr. Sharon Stone. I mean, she's a five foot lady, but when she prophesies, she's like 10 feet. And she is so gracious, so kind, so renowned, so world known, so humble, um, that she, she embodies to me the love of God, much like Heidi does to you. And, and so when I found her and I met her, Uh, she became a model and a mold for me of what authentic prophetic looks like. Hmm. And so I think the first step is is accountability. I think that's a huge step. And accountability means that, you know, I was in the, I was in Geneva one day and we had a European prophetic group and it was 
uh, we wanted to gather profits from all over Europe because we know America has them. Europe, there's a real famine for the prophetic. So we wanted to gather profits, not gifts, mm-hmm. offices from all over Europe to come together and to share what God is saying about Europe. And it was during Brexit time. So you can imagine everybody yeah. has a word. <laughs> so everybody's come. We've got like 50 leaders from all over Europe. We meet in um, Holland in a big ministry in Holland, and we sit down and we're talking, and it was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and you know when people are talking, and they just it just feels like they're throwing yuck at you. Right. You know, have you ever been in a green room where somebody's just telling you who they know? You know, <laughs> they're, they're not talking. They're not talking about uh, we're in a green room right now. Right. <laughs> they're, not, they're not talking about oh I know I know Benny Hinn. They're like right. oh Benny oh BB yeah <laughs> BB. You know, me and B go way back, you know, and it was like that. It was just yuck. They were sliming with their words and everybody's looking at everybody and walking around as if life is a big chest issue and you've got to be the the prophet to the nations. And and I'm as calm as it gets. This is me. I'm a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. And so here I am not trying to look like Moses returned with a shofar to Leith and a flag. And here they are coming with the crossbows i mean listen somebody bought a sword let me just say yeah. that who brings a sword to somebody bought a sword like a real sword how did they even get it into the country <laughs> i don't even know they bought a sword so here we are prophets and we're here in this meeting i'm sitting there and they're all showboating you know they're all sharing incongruent words about europe and everybody thinks they're a micaiah i've got the word of the lord and i came back i felt yuck i felt gross and I ask God, why do I feel this way? Am I, is it me? And I always want to check myself first. Am I competing? Am I jealous? Right. Is there something in me that's not? And I realized something. None of these prophets have ever had other prophets to bounce their words off of. Mm. They've existed in an echo chamber of, yes, that's the word of the Lord. So here they are among other people who are there to weigh their truth. And all of a sudden they feel like they need to overdo it just to feel a sense of importance. So for me, accountability was the key. But to answer your question more poignantly, it was this. I realized that you diminish the authority of the prophetic when you don't speak as the author. They were not amazed at what Jesus said. They were amazed at the authority with which Jesus said it. For he spoke as one. So it wasn't about he has authority. It's about he spoke as one having authority. And so one of the biggest things God delivered me from and is still delivering me from, I'm a, I'm a open book, is the spirit of performance, mm. the need to outdo yesterday's performance. If I live in performance territory, I'm going to burn out. Yeah. But if I live in a place where I'm constantly abiding in God, I realize there's a freedom to prophesy. That means that, yes, does God choose moments to show off? Absolutely. But he doesn't show off everywhere. And am I okay with that? I'm pretty good with it. So, sorry. No, no, no. Listen, like, let's talk about something. I haven't really talked about it here, but let's do it. And because I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, Over the last 20 years, I've had some experiences uh, with with lots of people. I have had to, uh, and I I do not talk about this. Okay, so I'm going to step into territory that's a little uncomfortable for me uh, because I keep stuff hidden. But I think, I think, especially around the prophetic. Like we talked about it around the healing, right? Around healing. Like there's a lot yeah. of wounding. There's a lot of hurt when, mm-hmm. when, when that gift doesn't come to fruition, right? Yeah. I think the same, the same with the prophetic. And you just mentioned something, this performance thing. I, I have that. I struggle with that. I've always struggled with performance, right? We, we, you get brought in, people, they fly you in. They, they, there's a, people are coming to hear you speak, um, th- there is a constant battle of going, Lord, I lay my crown down at your feet. Uh, this is uh, all for you. And, and, but, but there is pressure to perform, yeah. not by, yeah. I don't feel, I don't personally feel that I've struggled with it, but yeah. it, it's, it comes sometimes with the territory. With the territory. And yeah. I've had to, I'll never forget. There was a gentleman years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this super vague, but Basically, was was faking his gift. Now, I'm not speaking about the prophetic at this one. It was it was another supernatural thing. He was faking it, and um, and I I was in that atmosphere about a bunch of yes people, 
and 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 you could see that be, because he was known as this type of minister, right? That he had to show up and be that guy. And if he wasn't that guy, then he would maybe lose his credibility. So he began yeah. to to fake it. And and I I had to have the conversation w- with him. Uh, it wasn't something that I enjoyed, uh, but and it's not something that I really normally do outside of relationship. But yeah. he said, "Hey, if you have anything you want to say in my life," and we went down that that track, and um, he very quickly stopped wanting to talk with me anymore. But um, I've had to do that over the last twenty years, uh, maybe five or six, seven times, where I've had to confront a minister who's moved out of their gifting into faking it. And I know sure. you were mentioning the church in, um, like, uh, I think you said Nigeria or Kenya, or I forget where it was. And I know that there's been a string of prophets that have come out as they were faking it. How, how, have you ever had to deal with that? If so, how do you, how do you go about that? Well, <laughs> so let's talk a, about this, Tommy. No, not too many people it. are talking we're about the, this. We're, we're in the green room, so let's yeah. do this. Okay, so I was, um, I was in a, I wasn't. My brother was invited to a meeting of a well-known man of God, and Doctor Sharon was going with him. And I'm trying to be careful because I always end up saying the name. Yeah, let's not do I'm that. Not trying to, so I'm just gonna uh, 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 talk slowly here. So here's my brother and Doctor Sharon, and they're invited to this place in the states to this man of God's church, and. There's a prophet there who is very well known. If I say his name, everyone will know him. And but Dutch Sharon has always been like, listen. See, I still call her Dutch Sharon. Mm-hmm. Dutch Sharon has been like, hey, listen. He gets his words from Facebook. Every prophecy he gets, he gets it from Facebook. And listen, I'm like, no way. Him, him, him. He's like, he's emulated. Like you want to be like this guy's faith. There's no way. And um, she's like. I'm telling you. So my brother gets there to this meeting and bearing in mind, my brother and I are identical twins, like mm-hmm. literally same person. The only difference between us is our wives, literally. <laughs> and so here we are where my brother's in this meeting. I'm all the way home and my brother uh, gets prophesied over. And in this prophetic word, this prophetic message is like, uh, um, now, just bearing in mind, I travel a lot more than my brother does. I've been to Hungary. My brother has never been to Hungary until just recently. So at the time, he'd never been to Hungary. Right. So this person is prophesying. It's like, the Lord says, you've been to Hungary not one time, not two times, not three times, not four times, but five times. And he's basically prophesying my entire Facebook page to my brother, thinking that my brother is me. So all of a sudden... The, the cat comes out of the bag. Right. Now, I used to have a real gripe with that. And I say, where's the fear of God, man? What's mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah. Like, where is the how you know, how can you how can you operate like that and not be afraid that you're going to go to hell? Like, seriously, I mean, th- that's a treacherous place to be until one day. I'll never forget it. And. As long as I live, it was the story I shared with you in the previous cast. I was yeah. with Bishop. All of a sudden, you know, Bishop has this way of when you get around him, <laughs> the platforms get higher. Yeah. And, um, he, I mean, he's he's blown my name all over the U.S., this Bishop Garlington. Way, amazing like, man. He's like, he's an amazing man, and I love him to pieces, and I always say yes to him. <laughs> I find it really hard to say no. So here he is. He's like, "Hey, uh, Tommy, come with me to this meeting. Randy Clark's going to be there." And he introduced me. He's like, "This is Randy Clark," and I'm like, uh, "Because it's like Randy Clark." So um, he says, "This is the guy I was telling you about." I'm like, "You were telling Randy, Randy Clark, Ra- Randy Clark about Tommy from Windsor? This guy I was telling you about. He's going to prophesy to you, aren't you, Tommy?" I'm like. Huh? <laughs> and so here I am, like the saliva left my mouth. It's like dry. And there's like 800 people behind me and I'm been called up to prophesy over him and then over Tom Jones and yeah. others and great men of God. And 
I utter these prophetic words. Now, what I'm doing is I'm praying in the spirit is I'm I'm tapping into performance that I never felt like I'd ever have to tap into in my life. And I'm because in Because of catch. who they were? Because of who they yeah. were. And I stopped looking at God. And for the first time in my ministry life, I was looking for a platform. Mm. Can I say that? Yeah, well, I mean, please. I didn't know I was. I thought I was serving God, but I was in me. I was like prostituting something. And I only realized it because they cried, they wept, they looked at me. I mean, you should see, you know, the tears. I went home, I posted it on Instagram, like Tommy just prophesied to Randy Clark. And immediately the Holy Ghost came in and said, if you don't delete that, I will kill you myself. And with the fear of God, I mean, it was getting likes like 5,000 times yeah. back. Bah, you made it, brah. You're prophesying <laughs> of the Randy. And he's crying. He's crying. And I was like, woo, woo, okay. Yeah. Tell me right me. Well, Randy, okay. And the Holy Ghost was like, Tommy, you don't delete that. I'll kill you myself. Yeah. And I went to my phone. Fear of God hit me and I deleted it. And listen, for the next week, I cried. Mm. I cried right so hard that to this day thinking about that day breaks my heart and it's nothing anybody did it was totally my fault because here i am and for the first time i understood what that prophet felt like uh, who i judged um the mountains when they get so high it's so easy yeah especially as a prophet, when they're inviting you to prophesy. They're not yeah. inviting you. You know, people love the fact that I can preach, but they don't invite me to preach. Right, right. <laughs> this, like, this is the guy that shares words right. of knowledge, words of prophecy. We're inviting this guy to prophesy. Right. So I know I can preach the best sermon out of Jesus wept. And at the end yeah. of it, they still want to know, okay, what's God saying for our nation? Right. What's he saying for our local church? And what's he saying for me? And I'm, I've learned to be okay with that. I've learned to be okay with saying I don't have a word. I've learned to be comfortable with all of those things. But that day was a day that broke me because I judged a man for doing it. And all of a sudden, here I am in a moment where I can surrender totally to the Holy Spirit or even say, I don't have anything. And instead, I decided to perform. And here's the thing I realized. You know, as I went back to God on this, I said, God, then why did you make Randy Clark feel so touched if it wasn't a true word? And the problem wasn't with the Holy Spirit that it wasn't a true word, because this is how the Holy Spirit responded to me. Why did I make water come out of a rock when Moses beat it and I told him to speak to it? Mm. Two, two seconds. What do you mean it wasn't a true word? What do you mean by it wasn't that? that? No, I'm saying it wasn't that it wasn't a true word. Okay. It was a true word. Yes. Um, my motive was wrong. Totally. D Tommy, totally. I, I don't want to cut you off, man, but you're, I want to stay on this for just another second. You, you're saying something that I think is really beautiful. If I could tie a couple things that I think I hear you saying together. Uh, and this is something that I've witnessed with a lot of younger guys that are coming up. Number one, everybody expects people that are anointed to be fully full of character, full of great uh, community. The reality is God rides into town on donkeys. And I think it's that moment, it's those moments where you delete it, right? Where you're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, and you delete it. Those are the moments. Yeah. It's not getting the word right or wrong. It's yeah. those private moments with God or moments that you have when you're in relationship with people where they walk you through that and you begin to change. There's tons of times early on in ministry where I would say things and do things to gain position or to gain yeah. favor or only prophesy over the the biggest speaker in the room. There was times that I did that. And and I actually needed those times of failure. And I needed those times to be called out by my spiritual mom and dad to actually walk me through that season. And I feel like maybe some of the people that that don't that that choose to go another way or choose to rely uh not on their spiritual gifts but other other ways, um, I, I 
I think that maybe some of them are lacking that relationship, lacking that personal accountability and having those mothers and fathers in their lives that actually go, I'll never forget my spiritual father, Bob Bradbury. I came back from meeting, tons of people fell over, power guy was moving, and I was all like talking about it. He's like, shut up, boy. You're getting way too big for your britches. And I'd never heard anybody say that anyway, but I didn't know what it fully meant. But basically, he's like, you're full of pride right now. And Mm -hmm. I will never forget that moment. It was painful. It was hurtful. But it was necessary. I wasn't like raging with pride, but yeah. but those moments where a father or a mother of the faith actually goes simmer down. Uh, those are those moments where you actually grow, and God ends up using those to shape you into the man right. and right. woman of God. That yeah. that that is what I love. I look for that in my friends. I look for that in people that I run with. And I yeah. and and can I just say one one thing, Tommy? I. Even when we're talking about this, I can you can feel it. People start going, "Oh, well, was this person real?" No, listen, I know people uh, <laughs> that can call out first names, middle names, last yeah. names, phone numbers, uh, I, like things, details that nobody knows. I've watched it happen. Yeah. Larry Randolph uh, is one is a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I I watched him just turn around, and point at random people in the room, and call out their middle names, yeah. not to show his power, but to, to release some of the most beautiful words Absolutely. I've ever heard. So so what I don't want people to do is start, is go on a witch hunt. That's not what we're talking about. I think we're yeah. talking about the tension of walking in the gift, right? And then maybe losing some of that, be, being in a time where you're not maturing anymore and you rely you rely on on doing something that, yeah, right. I mean, it's deceitful. Right. And, and right. the reality is that does happen. Um, but... Yeah. But yeah, I, I I appreciate just having a conversation with you about it. No, me too. And I mean, just think about what Jesus said to the disciples when he said, "Hey, we're Jesus. I mean, even demons. Whoa, man, we we just come back. Belzebub listened to us." And Jesus was like, "Marvel not." I mean, he just <laughs> literally popped a hole in their bubble and said, "Don't don't get excited about that. Right. Be excited that your names are in the Lamb's Book of Life." Yeah. Because, and I think he was saying that as a double-sided message. One side was an encouragement. The other side was a threat. Mm. Like you can, you can cast out demons and still go to hell. I mean, right. there are people who will say we cast out demons right. in your name. And then you realize that activity doesn't equate spirituality and you can be deceived by the performance to think that the Holy ghost is still with you. Yeah. And that, that is a hard one. That's one I still tremble at, that I can have a great meeting. Mm-hmm. Moses, what did God say to Moses? He says, I'll give you success. Go up. I'll give you, I'll drive out everything ahead of you. I'll, I'll give you chandeliers, padded pews, nice lights and a smoke machine, but I won't be with you. Yeah. And just think success without God. Moses was like, wow, you can, you mean you can make me successful and not be with me? Yeah. Like that's a that's a tough one. That's one I still <laughs> I still tremble at. You know, I still think, whoa, I gotta check in, make sure. Hey, God, are you still there? Yeah. There, <laughs> you know, there, there was a moment I'll never forget. It was one of those defining moments in my life, and I've shared this before a couple of times. Uh, I I just got married, and I married my amazing wife. We married for sixteen years, but we were not. We got married very, very, very fast. So it was in the first few months, rough season. Uh, you know, we're just we're not doing well, and uh, and I I'll never forget. It was just like a huge explosion. I said things that I, with everything inside of me, I wish I could take back. I did things that I wish I could take back. Nothing nothing crazy. I don't want people's mind to race, but yeah. in my own heart, with my walk with the Lord, I was about as far away from Him that day, that night as I'd been since I'd gotten saved. And I had to go to a meeting that night with Randy. And I remember driving to the meeting. It was only 15 minutes away. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to be here. I shouldn't be here. I am not in a good place. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I think right now. And I remember going to the meeting and sitting, sitting there, and Randy was preaching. And at the end, he said, okay, you know, all my, my, my intern sons, come on up. And pray, and I didn't want to because I just felt so dirty. I felt I felt just shame, uh, and I 
I went to the side of the the church and I acted really spiritual. I got down on my hands and knees and just like I was praying and crying out and just yeah. to fool, like really just so people wouldn't bother me. There was other interns there. And so I was like, they can figure it out. And I'm just going to tuck away on the side. And I'm on my hands and knees just being like, I shouldn't be here. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. You, you know, you know, the tension you're just like, you're just like honest. And a woman came and knelt down next to me and she goes, pray for me. And I literally, uh, in my heart, I was like, this is dumb. God, I don't want to do this. I just want to get out of here. And I'm going to put my hand on her back just to, just to act yeah. like, act spiritual. And I put my yeah. hand on her back and I felt a back brace. And as like her whole back was covered in a brace, long story short, the Lord healed her. She had 16 pins in her spine. She stands wow. up, gets radically healed. Uh, it it was the most. I mean, it was the, it was the most powerful, you know, outward miracle in that in that meeting that night. Mm-hmm. And then another woman comes up. She had glasses on. Uh, these thick. Her retinas were so sensitive. She had to wear these like like ex- extremely dark sunglasses. They basically allowed no light in. And she ripped them off. Got totally healed. Still to this day, uh, I stay in touch with her every year, and 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 wow. they still are, are completely healed. I saw Amazing. some of the greatest miracles in the moment of my worst relationship with the Lord and in, in some of the most shame. And that's what I, I I love that about the Lord told me, you know, it's like he, he uses anyone and the gifts are given by grace and they're not, yeah, Yeah. he doesn't take them away, but it's, it's very dangerous. And a lot of the, the church that doesn't, that, that doesn't move in miracles, signs and wonders, they use those moments where people do fall or they do, you know, they, they, they enter that as a sign that the whole thing is a mess. And yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love hearing those stories of being in relationship, being in community, growing with healthy people uh, that move in miracles, signs and wonders. I had Randy, you know, you had your spiritual mom, and these are people that, that kind of carried us through those Absolutely. moments where, where other Absolutely. people kind of go off. And they yeah. and they and they just kind of build their own temple. Yeah. So yeah. I just I, I love hearing that, man. Yeah, I I have so many people come to me, and you know they kind of look at me now, and and they say, "Hey, you know, tell me, it's easy for you. You were raised by Sharon. <laughs> I was raised by God." <laughs> what did you just say? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the Holy Spirit raised the prophetic in me. Mm. It, that's why you're in nations and I'm not, because, you know, I was raised by God. And I'm like, you know, it's like people are trying to say that being raised by the Lord is better than being discipled and humble and sitting under somebody with mileage mm. who can tell you what's what. And, you know, I think, you know, people say learn from your mistakes. I think that's a foolish response. I think you're a fool if you learn from your mistakes, especially when other people have made them. And you can sit down with those other people and you can say, hey, you know, the best way, my uncle used to say, the best way to find out where somewhere is going is ask someone coming back. And and I've had the privilege of gleaning from a woman who comes from years of experience. And so, you know, when, when people see me now and they see um, – the nations and they see different things and all of that. They don't see the seed. They just see the end of it. Right. They don't see that I'm still connected. I still sit down. Mm. I still come back home and say, Hey, we need to talk. I need to tell you this. Um, because, you know, one of my biggest places of management is not my prophetic anointing. I, I, you read you look at my bookshelf you won't find a book on my bookshelf on the prophetic except for the ones i've written you'll find <laughs> books about how to be a really good husband because boy you know i you, you talk about you know the moments that god develops you when you have those randy clark moments but i realize something a lot of these young people that you're talking about who who haven't uh, come there. I realized something. I was, I was a really, really perfect guy. Well, I was like perfect. I was perfect until I got married. Like <laughs> I never argued with anybody. I never fought. 
I was a saint. I mean, Mother Teresa would admire me. And then I got married, and there were words coming out of my mouth. Have you ever had words come out your mouth that you're trying to catch as they're leaving, but it's too late because they've gone? And it's out there, and she's caught it, and she never forgets because then women are like... (laughs) Them women, those women are like filing cabinets. Like they just keep records of everything. And so here I am, and 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 I'm in marriage now. And I realize something. A lot of the things that I'm learning now are because about myself, right? Are because they were never tested before, right? There are things in you you don't know are in you until you're tested, and so. That's what I'm learning. And also, I realize something. Every revelation for a nation, a country, a person brings a new elevation. It brings a new place of visibility. And I've had real privilege of going into places that and meeting people, the down and outs and the up and outs, and prophesying at all levels. Um. But one of the things I realized, actually, and the reason why you see this huge investment in books on relationships, dating, being a good man, being Mm -hmm. a good husband, you know, is because, boy, the higher you go in that spirit, it's like nobody really talks about this. And I wish men of God would just do this, you know, in the green room. I'd wish we just hang our hang our our preaching cloak aside to say, Boy, you know, after I'm done preaching, I feel really vulnerable. Yeah. Like, I I feel like really, really, like everything's gone out and there's just pure, raw humanity there. And you come home. I used to go out to the countries, out of the country probably three times a month at the beginning, come back home, and I'd be like, babe, <gasps> We just met the this of this, and we prophesied, and it was amazing. And she said, great. Can you take the bins out? Right, right. Next day, travel somewhere, and before you know it, it's like, I used to think, gosh, in the early years of my marriage, I thought, gosh, you know, gosh, my valleys are getting lower. Mm. Until one day, God said, no, your mountains are just getting higher. Mm. And every time you go higher in a place, in a mountain, the valley is the same. The Mm. marriage is the same. The kids are still screaming like they screamed before. The wife still wants attention, hugs, love, family time like she did before. But it feels lower. But it's just your mountains getting higher. And I wish somebody sat down to tell me good valley management. Yeah. Like that for me, if I could talk about a fear, it's not the prophetic. That's not my fear. <laughs> right. My my fear is when the cape comes off and I and I, I I have to spend time with my children. I have to give my wife a hundred percent of me and not think about nations and souls yeah. and 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 all the things I wanna think about because those are the things the valleys where men of God are dying right now and women of God are dying we're dying in our valleys we're dying in our marriages we're dying in how we raise our kids we're dying in how we work and strike the balance and sometimes I long for green room conversations like this that's why the first time I met Eric Johnson I sit down with him and I I'm I'm always a child like I learn I'm learning like uh, every moment is an opportunity to learn from me to the point people think I know nothing because yeah. I just sit there and I'm like, hey, so Eric, tell me about you. And Eric just went for it. I mean, he went the first time I heard somebody so real, so raw, so authentic. He I never met the guy, didn't owe me anything, but he yeah. started talking about how he's just come out of depression and God's just God's just done so so transparent, so pure, so yeah. and I was like, wow, we need more of this. We the, need more. The culture I I I uh I agree. I've always I don't know, maybe it's just my family, like I've I I've always had a an air of transparency. Randy's been very transparent. Randy's always been very transparent, but I love the culture here at Bethel. And I think as I've watched, um, 
different seasons. So I got saved 1999. So it was the kind of the tail end of the Toronto movement. And right. it was it was that season of God's man of power for the hour kind of really coming to an end. Of course, God always uses people powerfully, but there was that there was that uh, culture of man of God, man of God, woman of God, right? They're up here and they're untouchable. And th- I think the Toronto blessing that where everybody everybody prays, everybody plays, right? It it, yeah. it took some of that off, right? Off. God God just started anointing regular people. Randy Clark, yeah. Heidi Baker. He just started anointing these people and then with that came a culture of hey, families were destroyed in the earlier moves of God, the, the yeah. early 90s, you know, the the stories the William Branhams, whatever the story is, you know, their marriages failed, their kids failed and and yeah. and and at least now I've seen a shift in the last 10 years and I think well, yeah. you mentioned Eric. I think Bethel uh, and the culture they have of of healthy church, right? Healthy families uh, going after revival, being being used in the nations, but also really putting a high value on community, uh, that church, that culture, but also on family. Danny Silk has been; he's written some amazing books amazing. on that. And so you you find these places that are like we're going fully after God, right? We're going fully after the anointing on our lives. We're going fully after healthy church. We're going fully after healthy community. We're going fully after healthy families. And yeah. and these are the tools that will help you get there. And and I'm seeing I'm as uh, where we used to see more, uh, I'm seeing a lot less of that. Uh, I'm seeing really mm-hmm. healthy people. Like, like even that now, you know, like this conversation we're having, it's it's very much, this yeah. is where my priorities are. I understand the call. I understand the gift mix. I understand the traps, right? Mm-hmm. We all we all know that you stay away. Uh, you know, we call uh, my my prophet my friends. You call it three G's: the girls, girls right, the, the glory, the, yeah, and um, and the gold, and the gold. That's it. There's another. Yeah. There's an. I was. I had somebody else tell me another one, but yeah. So finance, you know, and so like we know that. We've had a lot of people fail. It doesn't mean that we don't take our eyes off that. No, we we stay vigilant yeah. with that. But but now, okay, how do we do healthy family in the middle of it and still serve God and give him everything? And I and I think that there is a generation of younger guys, women. I think there is a generation that's now transparent. Right? You can be yeah. fully transparent. You can fully reach the world from your from your living room. Right? That yeah. never happened before. You had to be somebody mm-hmm. very special that built this huge mm-hmm. thing. So there's pitfalls in now just being able to talk to the world from your yeah. computer, but I but I also see a real value for family now and the Absolutely. generations that are coming up. And I Absolutely. think my prayer is that a lot of those stories become a thing of the past. Um, but yeah. but yeah, man. Hey, listen, I've I've already gone way over w- with the time That's that I told right. you. I, I love spending time with you, man. Well, so we're we, gonna do this hey, again, Tommy. We'll definitely do this that again. Sounds fun. I wanna I wanna just do two very quick things. And I know sure. I'm not looking for a prophetic word. I'm not at all. Um, but if is there something during this whole COVID thing, this season, that you really feel like, really briefly, that the Lord's speaking to you about, if you have anything yeah. to share? If not, fine. Um, yeah. I do. Yeah, I actually do. I, I've i been uh, sharing this on my YouTube for a while and on our television uh, spot that I actually believe prophetically that, first of all, um, we all know that we're coming out of this season of um, what this pandemic has been. It's, we're coming to the other side of it. Maybe not the pandemic, but definitely the quarantine. I, I believe prophetically as we look back in hindsight, which we're all going to do, I think we're going to see two things. We're going to see, number one, where do we massively overreact? And I think there, there. I think we're all going to look at that, and that's going to be in the media. It's going to be in the public eye. We're going to see it more drawn out in the news. Where did our leaders overreact? Where did, why did we have to shut down huge swaths of the economy just for uh, this particular pandemic and not other pandemics? We're going to have a huge assessment time. Yeah. There's going to be tribunals. People are going to speak about it, but. I also believe that prophetically, the Lord said that um, 2019 was the year of uh, new means new. 2020 is the year of new is the new normal. And part of that means, do you want to be an, a professional in the old or an amateur in the new? Wow. And when I heard the Spirit of God say that, 
um, I actually want to be an amateur in the new. I want to be with what the Spirit of God is doing now. When we come out of this, which we will, prophetically, I believe there are going to be those just like um, in the days of the the uh, uh, Moses, where they said, let us appoint leaders to take us back to Egypt. If you understand what Egypt means, Egypt means limitation, bondage, or a place of confinement or fear and anxiety. I think there's going to be a lot of that. Oh, I can't wait to get back to church. I can't wait to get back to work. I can't wait to get back to my business. I believe the Spirit of God has so drawn a line on what go back means mm. that when he said the Egyptians you saw before, you'll see them no more forever. This is a merciful, severe course correction for our benefit yeah. and not for our downcast. I also believe that part of this season was God preparing us for the billion soul harvest. Listen. There are two things that have come out of this season. Number one, everybody's an eschatologist. <laughs> and, and number two, everyone's online now. And finally, we are, we've transitioned. And I'm not saying social media is the new, but you remember during the times of Martin Luther that the printing press came around at the same time that 95th Thesis came that was a predicate to the birthing of the, the, the Protestant movement. And televangelism with the Oral Roberts mm -hmm. was a precursor to that outpouring and awakening. For our generation, it's social media. It's mass social media. And there's something about it that's moving us in. Mm. Whether you're young or you're old, Caleb's can cross over too. You know, Caleb was not stiff-necked. I used to think of stiff-necked as a religious terminology. I used to think it was religiously, doctrinally stiff-necked until I realized and I saw Caleb. He said... Give me that house on top of the hill. And people said, you're too old to be on social media and do all this. He said, no, as my mm. days, so shall my strength be. In other words, I'm going to move with the day. I'm not going to move with yesterday. Right. And I believe the spirit of God so wants us to move with the day that we are in right now that he doesn't want us to have a go back to. Wow. Final thing I'll say, and I feel like I'll, uh, I'll be upset if I don't say this. I believe that the time is going to come where we are going to hold China accountable. And I don't mean China as a country. I mean the Chinese Communist Party. And we're going to see, and I said this long before, I said this all the way last year, but that we're going to see the dragon, and I said the friendly dragon, turn in, change his PR face. And we're going to see countries demanding accountability, nations demanding accountability for what the Chinese Communist Party did. And there's going to be investigations, there's going to be litigations, there's going to be withholding of funds. And we're going to see the World Health Organization, the Chinese Communist Party being brought to account. Now, we're not going to see criminal charges exacted on, but we're definitely going to see people try to make that happen. But I believe that if African nations aren't careful, they are going to pay the compensation fee for the Western world, for the Chinese Communist Party. But I definitely believe it's a time of shaking. And I believe China is a huge part of that billion soul harvest. So God is shaking the nation right now to release the goods. Wow. I, the last time I was in China, I don't know, about a year or two years ago, I, and I'm not a vision guy. And I, I know this is an easy vision in the sense of, you know, people have these, but I, I saw stadiums full of believers in China yeah. as I was there yeah. sleeping. Yeah. In, I won't, I won't name the spot cause I have friends there. Uh, but as I was mm. there, um, teaching and preaching, I, I saw a vision of it. And my prayer, my prayer is that souls will come in. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I know what, what, there's always shaking, but Jesus, he's not surprised by any of this. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, my prayer, my prayer is that the masses come to him. And we're mm -hmm. seeing it. We're, I'm seeing crazy testimonies during this time. I'm sure you are as well, of people yeah. just coming, coming to him. Uh, Tommy, listen, love you, man. I know it's late. It's probably like 11 o'clock where you're at. Uh, I'm just so grateful that you came on. Uh, it was thank you. Wonderful to meet your beautiful wife. And hey, if people want to find out what you're doing, uh, I know you you uh, you got a lot of r amazing resource 
how, how do they get in touch with you and how can they follow you? Um, if you're in the States, our website is rigusa.org. If you're in Europe, it's rigeurope.org. Mm-hmm. If you are in Africa, it is rigafrica.org. Uh, but you can also find out about us at rignation.tv if you want to find out about what we're doing media-wise or follow our YouTube channel at uh, rignation. Or you can check me out on Instagram at Tommy Arimi. Oh, yes, and I have an app, which is actually we've received – it's been downloaded 10,000 times. Wow. And so we have 10,000 users on there. I had a vision to build a Christian social media app. Don't know if it was a golf thing or a me thing, mm-hmm. but it was definitely something on my heart to do. And it's we started a couple of months ago. We had no idea that people would download it, let alone use it. But to see people using it and on it and people who felt uh, disenchanted with mainstream social media now coming on there and encouraging each other, praying for each other and I think there's a guy called Will Hart on there as well. I'm on well. there. I'm on there. What does RIG stand for, though? RIG stands for Restoring Issachar's Generation, First Chronicles awesome. 1232. But if you want, it can also stand for Radical in God. Whatever you want to <laughs> do with it, it, just do with it. I love it. Listen, Tommy, <laughs> thank you so much, man. I can't wait uh, for the next time we get to do this. And the next time we get to hang out, hang out again, personally, I think yeah. like right after our conference is when things started to shift. And, and, yeah, uh, it did. It and, did. Yeah, man, I'm just so grateful. Me too, me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Uh, What's your Instagram? Tommy Arimi, T-O-M-I-A-R-A-Y-O-M. Awesome, awesome. Follow him. Hey, guys, uh, this was just a fun conversation with a good friend. That's all that these uh, green rooms are, and I I hope that it blessed you. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, We do this out of the goodness of our heart. We just love this, Um, and if it blessed you, uh, like it, share it, do all the things that the internet uh, people tell you to do on it, and uh, just bless somebody else with this. Maybe maybe somebody uh, that wasn't watching this right now needs to hear it. Send it along, and uh, yeah, just encourage somebody today. Listen, we're praying for you guys. You're quarantined. We're praying that this thing comes to an end, and uh, I can't wait for the next time that we get to uh, come into your living room or wherever you're watching this and uh, and hang out again on the next Irish Global Green Room Bless you guys. Love you guys. Thank you for our amazing guest today, Tommy. And we're going to let him get to sleep out there in the UK. (laughs) Love you, man. Thank you, Tommy. Love you too. Thank you. Bless you.